Well, earlier this week, Dolores and I was watching a television show. I believe it's uh, what, Ex Ex Expedition Unknown or something like that. And this guy, he may be down in Egypt looking for mummies or something like that. But this time he was out uh, looking for uh, sunken treasure ships and everything. And they would find some clues and things along uh, that nature and they didn't find a whole ship at that time but they did find a few coins and things like that and then uh, probably most of you noticed the lottery I don't know if anybody wanted or not but it's uh, over a billion dollars so uh, that was kind of on my mind so I'd like to talk about this evening about uh, maybe treasure hunting and uh, see if the scriptures can give us some guidance on that. We'll look at some clues along the way. And, uh, of course, we want to know the value of this treasure that we'd be hunting. If it would be a uh, sunken vessel, they had the manifestation or manifest or whatever, and they estimated how much gold or silver is supposed to be on these sunken ships and everything. So it would be nice to know the value of this treasure that we was looking for. And... Uh, but I'll give you a hint. It says this, this treasure we're looking for tonight is more valuable than rubies and gold and silver. All things you can desire are not to be compared with it. Well, we can desire a lot of things sometimes, but nothing be compared to, to this treasure. So like to, to, to look at it and uh, again look at the, the over a billion dollar lottery not to be compared with this the value according to the scriptures so in, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13 kind of gives it away pretty early here but Proverbs 3 and 13 happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. We, there's a lot of these gold, what gold rush shows on too, where they're mining for gold and everything, and, and uh, uh, of course, they have a lot of expenses, but millions and millions of dollars. But according to this, nothing can be compared to this. So what we're looking for is some clues. Where can we find this? Those sunken vessels, they had, I guess they had some kind of clues or something and, and, and everything. But, but let's look for some clues. Where can we find this thing that is it's so, so valuable? Job 28 uh, gives us... Uh, uh, kind of a lengthy description uh, where it's not I guess tells us more about where it's not than where it is but Job 28 uh, tells us where it cannot be found and I guess that that helps too process of elimination will narrow it down for us Job 28 and verse 1 so we're talking about the most valuable thing that, that we could that we could look for or that we could find uh, it says, surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for gold, 
where they refine it. And yeah, we watch on these television shows, they look for these veins of gold and everything, and what pay dirt, I think they call it. They said, there's a, on the earth, there's a place for gold. In verse 2, iron is taken out of the earth, and bronze is smelted out of the stone. He setteth an end to darkness and searcheth out all perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. The flood breaketh out from the inhabitant, even the waters forgotten by foot. They are dried up. They are all going away from men. As for the earth, out of it cometh bread, and under it is turned up as it were fire. The stones of it are a place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. There is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the falcon's eye hath not seen. So this, it talks about all these places, but no mention of wisdom yet here in these places. Uh, verse uh, 8 the lion's whelps have not trodden it nor the fierce lion passed by it he putteth forth his hand upon the rock and overturneth the mountains by his roots he cutteth out rivers among the rocks and his eye seeth every precious thing he bindeth the floods from overflowing and the thing that is hidden bringeth he forth to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Boy, it lists a lot of places where it's not. This valuable thing, where, where is it to be found? And, and this is something certainly we would want to know. Uh, verse 13, Man knoweth not his price, Neither is it found in the land of the living. So we, we, with that uh, over a billion dollar lottery, that's not a price enough to buy it. And it says, neither is it found in the land of the living. We'll, we'll talk about that a little later because we'll see another reference to that. But that's, it's not there. Uh, but does that mean if it's not in the land of the living, does that mean it's impossible for us to have it while we're alive? Is it possible for us to have it now? Again, we'll come back to this uh, a little later. Verse 14. The depth saith, it is not in me. And the sea saith, it is not with me. More places where it's not. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price of it. It cannot be valued with the gold of an ophir and with a precious onyx and a, uh, or the sapphire. The gold and crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, Neither shall be valued with pure gold. So we're talking something of great, great value. But where is it to be found? Verse 20. Whence then cometh wisdom? And where is the place of understanding? 
Certainly this is a valuable thing to know with something this valuable. Think of the value of this hidden treasure. Where's wisdom come from? Where is the place of understanding? Verse 21. Seeing it is hidden from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air. Once again, it's hidden from the eyes of all living. Can we not have it now while we're alive? This wisdom? 22, destruction and, and, and uh, death say, we have heard its fame with our ears. God understandeth his way, and he knoweth the place of it. Well, certainly God does. 24, for he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds, and he weigheth the waters by measure. When he, uh, when he made a decree for the rain and the way for the lightning of the thunder, then did he see it and declare it and prepared it, yea, and searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So the fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. Uh, I remember Brother Don Willis so it would say it's a reverential fear, and, and he was correct. I agree with him on that. But this uh, uh, caused me some, uh, uh, some difficulty in understanding. Uh, Proverbs also says, in, and I think it's the ninth chapter, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here it says uh, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And again, it caused me trouble for a while. And I, I mentioned before, I had a terrorizing fear of God before I knew him as my heavenly father. But then after the Lord brought me to this body and, and Brother Don and Brother Alston, they began to show him as a loving Heavenly Father and my Savior who, who loved me and shed his blood for me. So then I began to lose that terrorizing fear then. Well, this is my Heavenly Father that loves me and my Savior that loved me and, and gave his life for me. So I, I didn't, I began to lose that terrorizing fear then. And then this scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And Terry, I was, I was completely, completely confused. But then realized it is talking about a reverential fear, and I didn't write down the, uh, the Hebrew word, but it means respect and affection mingled with awe. And that's, that's such a good description of it. Respect, affection mingled with awe, standing in awe of him. So we may have respect and affection for certain things, but do we stand in awe of, of these certain things? But uh, 
reverential fear, respect and affection mingled with all. Again, where do we, uh, where do we find this? Uh, Psalms 89. And uh, so where do we find this reverential fear? How do we identify this reverential fear? Or is it reverential fear? But Psalms 89, verse 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. There's a good clue. That's where he's going to be, be had in, in reverence. It's in the assembly of the saints. And to be had in reverence of all those who are about him. So there's a really good clue where this... Uh, Fear, this uh, uh, reverential fear is. Now, every place you find the word fear in the scripture doesn't mean that. But what we're looking at tonight, that's what it means. Respect and affection mingled with all. Uh, so if we talk about in the uh, assembly uh, of the saints, if we hear and coming from an assembly or a group and they say something like well the Lord's done all he can do the rest is up to you is that having him in reverence uh, that points him as a failure so uh, but in the assembly of the saints where he is respect and affection mingled with all so as you begin to have this uh, affection for him for what he did for you and you stand in awe of him for what he's done then this is a reverential fear this is the fear of the Lord that is wisdom this is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom when we see him as almighty God we stand in awe of him and certainly respect of him uh and affection, as we see, he's our Heavenly Father. He's our loving Heavenly Father and our Lord and laid out the plan of salvation. So this scripture, again, says it's in the, uh, uh, in the assembly, uh, a very good clue. And uh, I'm going back to Job 28 again. And uh, verse 21 uh, well, seeing it's hidden from the eyes of all the living, but the part, uh, second part of that says, kept close from the fowls of the air. Well, what's that mean? It's wisdom. It's, it's not where the fowls of the air are. If we think of the, uh, you remember the parable of the sower and the soils, and there was different kinds of ground, stony ground by the wayside, and good ground, and so forth. Well, those and the, there were two sowings there, and the Lord did the sowing, but those that fell by the wayside, the fowls of the air came and got them. That's not where wisdom is. And we won't spend any more time on that, but wisdom is where the fruit bearing would be, and that is in the good ground, which is the Lord's church, of course. But uh, the first part of verse 21, seeing it's hidden from the eyes of all living. Well, that's... that's uh, so then, 
how do we have wisdom? How do we have understanding hidden from the eyes of all living? Verse 13 mentioned that. Uh, it's found, uh, it, it is, uh, it is, where is it? Uh, neither is it found in the land of the living. In verse 21, seeing it's hidden from the eyes of all of the living. So, uh, do you have to be dead? Is that after you're dead and go to glory and then you have wisdom and, and uh, an understanding? What, what does this mean? Again, a lot of this tells us where it's not. So, it's not in the land of the living. The book of Colossians chapter 3 helps us with this. Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we'll start in verse 1. For is, is not the land of living, so must be dead to have it. And Colossians 3, and beginning in verse 1, helps us with this. If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So there we go. It's, it's hidden with Christ in God. So where is Christ? We've talked about that before. Where is Christ? Well, actually, it's the book of Colossians is a good place to tell us, but he's the head of the body, the church. So this talks about being risen with him, dead in Christ, and you're dead and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. So the church is the body of Christ. So this wisdom's not in the land of living, must be dead, and resurrected with Christ. Uh, Proverbs chapter... Two. Spent a lot of years in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter two. And starting verse one. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and lay up my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, we know where it is now, don't we? Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifts up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hidden treasure, and I suppose I prayed for wisdom and knowledge uh, as much as, as anything. And that's what it's talking about there. In verse 5, Then shalt, shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, that reverential fear of the Lord, respect and affection mingled with all. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, we know the conditions. We know 
where he gives it. We know the condition must be dead and, and resurrected. We know it's, it's not in the earth. We know you can't stumble upon it. We know you can't buy it. But for the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So that's where it comes from. In verse 7, he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. So it says he layeth up. Well, there's another clue, actually. I think we pretty much narrowed it down, but there's another clue. Laid it up. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, high places was always a place of worship. You can go study it sometimes even for false worship, but high places uh, was just a synonym, uh, synonym for places of worship. High places was. But in the New Testament, we can look in Ephesians. We won't go there. But it says in verse 1 and 3, I believe it is, he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And then in the second chapter, it said he made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We know that's the church. That's the place of worship. That's the high places. Uh, and it says we fight against spiritual wickedness in high places, the Lord's church. So, the Lord gives wisdom, had to be dead with Christ, resurrected. It's in his body, his church, it's in Christ. So how do we get, how do we get there? Is that something we just drive up, walk through the front door, and we're in the church? Well, we know this building is not the church. Galatians 327, uh, as many as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That's the method that the Lord has chosen, ordained, that one would be part of the body of Christ. Now, they have to be, they have to be the Lord's sheep. That doesn't make them a Lord's sheep, but that's what the Lord's sheep, that's, that's the way he puts them in his body, in his end, so to speak. And then they're baptized, and they put on, uh, it says, the many have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So the uh, baptism is also a, a picture of a death and burial and then a resurrection. So this high place where he laid up wisdom is a place of worship, is the Lord's true churches. So wisdom can't be bought. Not even with that over a hundred billion or over a billion dollar lottery, you can't, can't buy it. As we read there in Job, you can't, you're not going to stumble on accidentally. It's not in all those places in the earth, not on the earth. God knows where it is. Not with the fowls of the air out there outside the good ground. It's not out there. It's not in the land, uh, it's not in the land of the living. Again, must be dead. Laid up in heavenly places. This was the Lord's church where uh, and the importance of that, buddy, is that's where the Lord places his comfort, leads, guide, directs us into all truth. So wisdom is important. And I think of Solomon, you know, when we think of wisdom in the scriptures, we think of, of Solomon, uh, the wisdom he had and everything. But, you know, Solomon had, had uh, I believe it was in Gideon, he had offered a thousand burnt offerings upon a high place there in Gideon. And the Lord said to Solomon, Solomon, ask 
what I shall give thee. Boy, if the Lord said that to you, ask what I should give thee. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we'd ask for. Well, but Solomon says that he would have wisdom and understanding. Not for him. He said that I could lead your people. So he asked for something really wasn't for himself. No, the purpose was so he could lead this nation of Israel. So one wish, and what did he ask for? Wisdom and understanding to lead his people. Of course, we know God gave him the other things as well. So there's a little uh, uh, treasure hunt uh, this evening. Well, I shouldn't say a little treasure hunt. We found them, uh, a very valuable thing according to scriptures. You can't, you can't put a price on it. You can't stumble upon it. It has to be given. And the Lord places his sheep uh, in the place where he gives them wisdom, knowledge, and, and understanding. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed. <laughs>